0: Hi, welcome to Healthcare Fraud Shield's second podcast. Uh, today, we are going to talk about uh, conducting on-site audits, and I am so excited uh, today to have my um, coworker on the line, uh, Kate Shaker. Um, my name is Karen Weintraub. I am the Executive Vice President with Healthcare Fraud Shield, and my friend and coworker, Kate, uh, is uh, joining me today. So hi, Kate. How are you doing?
1: Hi, Karen. Good to be here.
0: Excellent, excellent. So I'm very excited for today's topic. Uh, I know uh, we have uh, worked together and we've presented together on this topic many times, and there's just so many interesting things that we can talk about and so many stories and experiences that we can share uh, with others. So I'm excited to get started today. So why don't we um, start talking about um, audits and, and what Goes on in audits. What's the difference in the different types of audits, and we can uh, we can just uh, start from there.
1: Great, yeah, Karen. When we talked about this, I thought it'd be great to talk about on-site audits. In my past experience working for a small plan um, in the state I worked in, we did a lot of on-site audits because fortunately, our all our providers were within a hundred mile radius, so we had the ability to visit providers without a lot of cost uh, to my department. So we developed a very strong on-site audit program. But I thought first we could touch upon, like, when do you do a desk audit versus an on-site audit? So I can go first. We did uh, an on-site audit. I would say if we had a suspicion of deception or fraud, most of our cases were just incorrect billing, abuse type issues, but we really tried to do an onsite if we uh, suspected deception or fraud. Or we had a case where we did a project of infusion audits. So we would go to infusion centers and review their records because there were numerous records, drug invoices, nurses' notes, compounding records. So we went on site to many infusion centers in our 21 county area and did those audits. So I had a, had a lot of interesting experiences doing on-site audits and really enjoyed them. How about you now, when would you do an on-site audit versus a desk audit?
0: Sure. Yeah. It definitely varied by the type of case and the egregiousness of the, the investigation. Um, if it was an instance where, we not only suspected, um, you know, egregious behavior, but perhaps we needed to look at equipment or we knew that we wouldn't get all the information we needed just from medical records. We really needed to see the office, you know, talk to the staff. Um, But one of the other factors, and I think this was a a slight difference for for your experience um, and and mine, is we also had to balance um, the number of audits that we did on-site versus desk audits because we also had the ability to, um, in various states, depending on state laws, um, use extrapolation. Uh, so as a result, in some cases, um, you know, it was okay just to look at, you know, a handful of medical records. And in some cases, um, you know, we've really needed to, to go on site and, and again, see the equipment and ask those questions that you normally can't get from just, you know, correspondence through the mail.
1: True. Yeah. Reminded me, uh, we would also go on site if we wanted to interview, if our main point was to interview the provider or the office manager reminds me, we went to one uh, provider's office. They were an OB gynecologist, and we suspected that they were doing a lot of infertility treatments, which were non-covered by many of our members, and they were hiding it under ovarian dysfunction and diagnosis codes like that. So we took our, uh, our um, medical director with us on site And interviewed the office manager and the uh, OB gynecologist and asked, tell us about your practice. And they talked all about their infertility treatments. Oh, well, so later in the conversation, when we were talking about their billings and how they didn't use infertility as any diagnosis codes, however... 10 minutes prior in our conversation, you just said you were largely an infertility specialist. So that was very helpful in going on site and being able to talk to the provider. So good. So, yeah. yeah. So now did you schedule the audits in advance? Did you call them, send them a letter? How did you go about doing that?
0: Yeah, (laughs) this was a learning process. Um, So it also depends on, um, you know, whether they're Contracted or not, so most contracted uh, providers had some kind of provision where um, you know first of all, they had to give us the records and they had to allow us on site. There were actually some contracts that actually called for um, advance notice, some did not, but out of um you know courtesy to the providers, we did always schedule it in advance. Um, not only did we schedule it in advance, but we would send a confirmation. And then um, a day or so before we would reconfirm to make sure that, yes, they are aware we are coming on site just to kind of, you know, um, make sure that they didn't try to stop us when we got there. We would show the proof of all of the different um, confirmation, you know, at that time, faxes or emails or whatever it was. Uh, But yeah, we would actually give advance
1: notice. Yeah, we gave advance notice as well. And we would give them a list of the records we wanted to look at when we went on site. But then we'd also say in our letter notification that we would reserve the right to request more records when we got there. And it reminds me of a funny story. So we went through this process and requested records. And this was a very shady office who had, uncredentialed providers performing specialty services that they in, in their contract should not have been doing. And when we sent the letter notification, we had a whistleblower from inside the office, make contact with us and said, when you requested the records, then we went back and they had us co-sign all the records and, you know, write additional comments in the records that there was supervision, et cetera, et cetera. So then when we went on site, of course, we requested additional records when we got there, and none of those records have been doctored. Of course, because they didn't know which one. So that that was very interesting uh, situation. Yeah, that's
0: yeah, that's always always fun. I, I I think there's a challenge sometimes with investigating when you give the list of patients in advance. So having you know that few extra patient names to say, hey, I also need these. Um, We had a a similar experience where um, the provider insisted we, you know, give the names in advance and this particular office was actually in their provider's house and all of the records were in this kind of like (laughs) weird little basement, you know, short ceilings, hard to walk around, probably a severe fire hazard. Um, And, you know, the provider allowed us to do a walkthrough, but wouldn't let me stay in the basement with the records. Um, he actually had ample opportunity to alter them before I got there, but, um, he made me stay in his office upstairs and he took my list that he already had. And he would bring up literally three to four records at a time, not knowing actually that I had some of the records already, um, due to, uh, various other departments in our, at our the payer I worked at. Um, so I already had some of them and I could tell that he was altering them as he was bringing them up. It would take about 20, 25 minutes to bring up three or four sets of records because they were going through every single page and um, adding some additional information.
1: So that was fun. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I had one where we, it, it, when we were on site and this was also a provider that ended up getting convicted of healthcare fraud and drug diversion and she, we requested additional records and the office staff. Oh, I'm sorry. Each one of those you requested, they're either locked in the basement and the person who has the key is at another doctor's office with her sick child or the remainder were at the provi- provider's vacation home. So that was the first time I'd heard of a provider actually taking uh, records to the vacation home. That did not sound, uh, we didn't even believe that. So. Anyway, we said okay. Well, we'll be back for them, and they were doctoring records. It, it was very obvious. I use a lot of those records in in one of my medical record presentation that I've done frequently for the NACAA. So anyway, yeah, we we think we've heard it all. So so what? Yeah, so what type of things did you bring along with you? Now I know it, what we did since we did them on a regular basis. We had a plastic bin and we kept a lot of supplies in it a checklist here's all the things that we needed uh you know paper and just uh, office supplies and so forth and we would arrange with the provider to use their copier now i think a a lot of times with electronic medical records you're just going to get access hopefully to the electronic medical record and and you know print them out wouldn't need copier's necessarily so much now but we would always make sure that we had uh, a copier handy and recorder now um, we did record our interviews and you can talk about if you did or not we did record them with their permission and our legal department gave us a script to read to start the recording Um, so how about you what did you bring along did you record it record the interviews if you did interviews
0: sure yeah we we brought everything, and just like you, we had a checklist um and also uh you know safety first, so we always traveled in numbers um there's always at least two people on every on every audit uh but we um uh, we brought a camera and a recorder and and used as necessary um we would record all the conversations um now. Depending on the state, you know the legality of recording, you may or may not have to request permission. So, you know, always be mindful of that. But um, we brought that. We brought scanners uh, and laptops. Um, in addition, though, we would uh, ask the office if it was okay. In addition to us using our own scanner, can we, um, you know, have one of us on the scanner, one of us on a copier? This way, you know, we'd be out of their office sooner. You know, try to expedite it for everybody. I'm sure that you know they don't really want us there. Um, but yes, yeah, staple removers, right. Um, right, exactly. know, anything to <laughs> all, staple, staple removers always made sure that the records were exactly the way they were when we um, first got there. Um, you know, and, and and I know the other thing is um, just identifying who we are. Not only did we bring with us that confirmation, that letter that or, or facts that we had before, um, but always would provide, um, you know, the information of who we are and and in the organization and and why we're there. So trying to be as upfront and transparent as possible, um, because if you're not, then that can lead to kind of a contentious um, on-site audit. Right. So
1: you brought business cards with special investigations on the card?
0: Yeah, we um, we yeah, we absolutely did. Actually, um, years before that, our department had the word fraud in it, and then we decided to to change the name of it because that was a little bit intimidating. Um, you know, obviously, if we're going on site, odds are they're probably doing something more egregious or at least suspected of it. But um, there were certainly cases where I experienced an on-site audit where um, it, there was just simple, you know, lack of knowledge or human error. So not everyone was necessarily engaging in, in suspect behavior. And, and the word fraud in a business card really really threw them for a loop sometimes.
1: yeah. Initially, we did not have our department on the card. We just had our name and the company. and And this was early on. This was probably you know, at least 10 plus years ago, I think we're much more transparent now, but I remember we presented the business card with just our names and we were doing the audit and asking questions and interviewing the office manager. And then she came into the room, we were doing the audit. in, And she said, I don't think this is an audit. I think this is an investigation. So I mean, she got the, I think she got the message. So (laughs) she picked up up on that. (laughs) So, you know, just as important, what you bring is what not to bring. And it's important not to bring things that you would not want to have the provider see. And I had a situation we were doing, we had a room assigned to us at the provider's office. And we were doing, you know, gathering our records, making copies and... Uh, my investigator and I each had a folder of our information and I did not bring anything that I wouldn't want the provider to see, but I stepped out to make some copies. The provider came into our audit room. He sat down at the desk I was working at and started to go through my folder and my investigator stopped him, but had I brought the allegations and information I wouldn't want him to see that would have been a little bit of an awkward situation. So make sure that, uh, you leave things that are confidential at the office. So just a point I wanted to bring out. Yeah. So did you always bring an investigator with you? Did you sometimes bring a medical director? Were you able to do that? Uh, We
0: didn't have, um, you know, access to bring a medical director necessarily with us, although sometimes they were engaged after the fact uh, so each audit that we conducted, uh, it was at a minimum of two investigators. Um, there were a handful of occasions where it required more, um, but usually it was two people. Um, usually a senior person um, was always, uh, always part of the audit, someone who had done this before and you know, knew, the land of, knew, knew the lay of the land of how to conduct themselves on an
1: audit. And did you always do an interview when you were at the audit or did sometimes you just gather records and leave? Did you? We
0: always Um, did some form of questioning, you know, again, depending on the nature of the of the investigation. Um, Some were more in depth than others. And sometimes you really just had to gauge how things were going. Um, You know, so I may have had a plan. There are certain situations to interview certain people. But based on the interactions, I could see that maybe that wasn't going to go so well. So I kind of. curbed the the interactions a little bit so you really have to be in tune with the your surroundings the body language of the people around you and know how far you can um you know go with the audit while you're there i
1: mean we we would sometimes bring a medical director we had that ability so if i was going to meet with a provider that i thought would require uh, more of a peer. I would ask our medical director to come along and that usually worked out pretty well. So, and we also did interviews when we were there with the office manager at the minimum. And it was good because we would explain our audit process, what to expect, when to expect results. And then I was also able to ask a lot of questions, you know, about their office hours, give me a list of your employees. How did their office function? Do you have a CPT manual? That was always a good question to ask. And then definitely ask for a tour, uh, permission to take photos of any of the equipment. And that would tell you, are they billing for procedures they even have equipment for? And we'd seen, uh, definitely seen where they didn't have the correct equipment to bill the procedures that they were billing. I remember we have a colleague, uh, Karen, that always talked about doing an interview and their ultrasound equipment was really made for pets. And yeah, so what you saw, yeah. yeah. It's great,
0: but you're right. It's important. I mean, we've had that where the equipment didn't exist in the office or um, taking a note of their official office hours, uh, you know, signs posted, you know, those are some of the things you really need to pay attention to. I, I had one audit where, um, the, the company I worked for had a specific policy around um, around lesions, benign lesions. And so this particular provider had a note up on their wall where they let us kind of sit and do our record copying that said how to avoid um the limitation on the, on the lesions by what diagnosis mm-hmm. codes to bill It actually set it on the wall. So I yeah. took a picture of it, you know, it was right there
1: in front of me. <laughs> I remember uh, I was visiting a dermatologist's office and they had us conduct our audit in an exam room. That's all the extra space that they had. So, well, if you're going to put me in the exam room, I'm going to look around. Right. So I opened cupboards and in the cupboard <laughs> they had, a tray of filled syringes with a liquid, in you know, in a little bit in a little container, and the the it wasn't labeled with what the medication was, expiration date, nothing. And I assume you know it was lidocaine that they had the lidocaine all drawn up for the day so that the doctor could you know numb the skin and have that all ready. But how long had those syringes been sitting in there? So it was definitely a quality of care issue that you know, we reported back to the appropriate department when we got back. So if you're able to, you know, if they put you in a room that the cupboards are open and there's visible things, you know, I'm going to look. So anyway, go ahead. Did you, were you able to take pictures? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, um, tips and tricks, you know, just some common sense kind of things that i think is worth mentioning and maybe you have experiences too is just professionalism even though i had registered nurses on my staff i still had to remind them you know to maintain a professional demeanor such as no simple things like you know you're not going to bring crunchy pretzels to the audit drinks, you know, your Gatorade and your big jumbo Pepsis. So no eating, no drinking. That just doesn't look professional. No gum chewing. I One of my investigators uh, chewed gum. You know, I said, you've got to spit out the gum. We can't have gum chewing here. So I hate to even say that I had to remind my staff of that, but we have to keep all that in mind And and dressing the part. So I had one investigator that I was to take on a scheduled on-site visit. She came to work that day, and she was not dressed professionally, and I couldn't take her. I had to take someone else because I I needed somebody who was in business attire. So just you know, reminder about professional things and conducting yourself professionally. When you're there, I've had I had an I had a provider, and I think you've heard this story before, Karen. But I think it's worth repeating for the for the group out there, my our podcast environment. Um, we had a provider provider who was very belligerent. He did not like the payers, and but it was necessary for us to go on site and audit him. And we took with us our, actually our VP of provider relations, because he was the only one who had a decent relationship with this provider. So this provider set us up in his conference room. He canceled all the patients for the day so that he could spend the entire time with us while we were doing our audit and copying our records. And so in this case, it was very important for us to maintain a very quiet, professional manner throughout. And my investigator, who was less experienced, uh, she was out at the copier making copies, and while she was gone, our provider was going off on a tangent, criticizing payers and just going on and on and on. And our VP was you know trying to maintain control with him. and my investigator came back in, and as she heard the provider going off, she rolled her eyes and the provider saw her roll her eyes. And you can tell, you can imagine that things went downhill from there. So I cannot say enough about maintaining professionalism and reminding investigators of that when you go into an office, because you're representing your employer and it's really important. So I don't know if you have any experiences to add to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I can't agree. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's always, um, keep your composure. We've had scenarios where we've been yelled at, screamed at, um, we had one provider who was drinking while we were there. So, um, you know, you just, if at any point it gets to be, um, where you can see that it's not going in a, in a positive direction. Um, we've always told our staff, you know, just leave, say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, you know, get all my stuff and we'll leave. And, you know, thank you for your time and just, you know, be as calm as possible. Um, so I, yeah, you just, you just got to remain professional no matter what, even if they're yelling at you, even if they're trying to insult you, it's, you got a job to do. It's not personal. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta keep doing it. Uh, you know, one other point I, I was thinking about as you were going through all the the tips and tricks is, not only don't bring your own, you know, huge uh, soda soda bottle or whatever, um, but don't accept any offers of food either. We've had several who would have these big platters brought in and like, oh, we'll feed you, we'll do this, and you know, you, you can't have any kind of um, influence or you know anyone to accuse you of you know potential bribes or, or anything at all. So you know, you, you got to be very factual, very objective. Don't accept anything, even a glass of water. We wouldn't accept. Um, just to show that you know we're just here to do our job and, and we're not taking anything from you um, okay, at yeah, all. Yeah,
1: good point. And then we, if we, if you go out to lunch, then you need to pack up your laptops, all your, all your folders and information, and carry it out. Lock it in the car if you if you do need to go out to lunch. Is that what you did? Did you or did you just work through? Yeah. <laughs> It would
0: depend. I, I I remember days where we literally were in an office for, you know, fourteen, fifteen hours and we're like, you know what, we're so close. Like let's just let's just get it done. So uh also remember to bring comfortable yeah, exactly. shoes. I know that we like
1: our food. <laughs> so, I have to get my food by eleven thirty I start to get hungry. So we would yeah. we would go out. Or you could go or you could take turns and, and you know, stagger the lunch. Don't necessarily, you know, that works too. True. true. So
0: Uh, Uh, I was just saying one point we didn't um, we didn't really uh, address early on is just kind of the the landscape of today uh, and with, you know, folks not um, being allowed to go into offices due to due to COVID-19, although I think that's been, you know, perhaps changing a little bit in the last month or so. um, You know, it's just that onsite audits may not be possible all the time. So. Just keep that in mind. If you do need to gather information and evidence, you know how are you going to go about um, getting that interview? Are you going to be able to interview the office staff through Zoom or whatever you know uh, you use? Um, so just something to just something to think about that you'll have to come up with alternative ways if if people aren't allowed into the right, providers' of, offices yeah, right now.
1: Yeah, good point. And I wanted to mention that, mention that early on. A lot of offices don't even allow you know, someone to accompany them to the visit anymore, that, that person has to wait in the vehicle. So I'm sure it is much more difficult to do on-site audits. Now we're going to have to be more creative because they're still important. So, uh, maybe they are going to have to just send the records and then do, like you said, a zoom interview or something, um, or even walk around the office with, a to show you the facility. So, yeah, we've got to be A lot more creative, but hopefully in the next few months or year, things will get better. So um, one point I wanted to mention when conducting interviews, just a little tip is always ask if you're talking to the office manager or the biller, do you owe us any money? And I, we would typically ask that in the one office. They said, oh yeah, we, I think we owe, we have credit balances of about 80,000. We were just waiting for you to ask us for the money. So always yeah, we just wouldn't <laughs> ask it back. So um, do ask and you know, and the terminology is credit balances because the patient could have other insurance, the paid primary, which your company didn't know about. So uh, there could be some uh, money owed. So yeah, definitely ask that was a eighty thousand dollar question <laughs> that was beneficial. Right. And sometimes yeah, exactly. you get a surprise yeah, answer. Okay. So there you go.
0: So. <laughs> so yeah, um any other any other final thoughts on uh on site audits yeah, that, that you I wanted to share?
1: Of. Yeah. They're great to do and hopefully yeah. everybody can um, get back to doing them. Because they're a good tool.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I mean, there's so many things you can find um, just by seeing versus uh, just getting the records in the mail. So if you have an opportunity, of course, always do it safely. Follow your company's protocols. Um, but yeah, absolutely. A lot of great information that, that you can uh, uh, ascertain from just going on site and talking to people. You'd be surprised how many people are willing exactly. to talk when once you get there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we we thank everyone for listening today. Thank you so much to Kate. Uh, I always call her my, my partner in crime. And uh, when we look at healthcare fraud, um, so we're, we're going to do several more of these. Uh, we'll try to do one. Um, if we can, we'll try to do one each week and we're looking forward to uh, the next one. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. Yeah. We'll, thank you. Uh, we'll Have talk again week. soon. Um, bye. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.